Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, happy July, Seattle. It's time for Happy Hour Radio, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your Baron of Brewskis. The weather calls for some good beers and some good cheers, so I hope you got something great in your glass and ready to hang out, relax, and uh, turn on. Um, we're going to talk about French wines today with uh, one of my longtime pals, uh, uh, Cyril Frechet, who is a... Um, well, a wine expert. He's actually a Frenchman, so that kind of makes him an automatic wine expert. And we're going to talk about a region in France that uh, is really becoming a region to go to for some great value wines and some great flavors. And uh, it's called the Languedoc, also known as the Pay Duck. Um, we're going to dive into four or five wines and uh, just chat with my pal, Cyril Frechier. Um, if you haven't had a chance to uh, find the perfect summer coiffer, the summer sipper, I invite you to taste Coral Wines. This is my wine project. It's a uh, CoralWines.com. We've got White Coral, which is the Southern Rhone blend. Um, absolutely delicious. And these are all twist-off. Easy access. Uh, you can sneak a bottle late at night. No one can hear the cork pop. Uh, but White Coral, Red Coral is also a Southern Rhone blend of Grenache, Syrah, and Morvedra. And then our fabulous Pink Coral Rosé. One of the best in the world. It's uh, 85 Morved, 15 cents. So CoralWines.com available at PCC Markets. Um, Esquin, McCarthy and Shearing, uh, Total Wine more, some QFCs, and uh, of course online at CoralWines.com. Well, um, I'm already making myself thirsty. It's a happy Saturday night, and uh, Cyril Frechier, welcome to Happy Hour. Hey, welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, excited. It's been a while. Um, you have been a longtime uh, sommelier here in Seattle, uh, originating, I believe, was uh, Campania. But give me a little bit about your history here. Actually, it started uh, earlier than Campagne. It was with uh, Thierry Rotiro at uh, Rovers. Um, I was uh, manager and wine director there for 16 years. How could I forget that? Oh, my <laughs> goodness. I knew that. I knew that. And it's just been so long. I mean, I only see you in passing every now and then because you're always traveling. Is that right? I do travel a bit, especially with my new uh, my new position. But uh, I am also spend quite a bit of time in the market here in Seattle. Yeah, other places. Well, it's good to have you here in the studio. And, of course, uh, the chef in the hat, um, you can't have just great food. You also have to have great wine. And uh, you uh, were a mainstay at one of the um, the jewels of the Pacific Northwest. I, I believe so, yes. Thank yeah. you. I, uh, I had a chance to dine there. And I always thought that was going to be a stuffy place. I was like, oh, I don't want to go. It's going to be so stuffy. When I went, it was so relaxed and casual, great service, but just what a treat. It was like being in his house. It was very much, and we—that was the whole uh, purpose uh, of the restaurant, or to the experience that we wanted to convey. Was was uh, informal. The food was was actually very uh, very upscale and uh, researched, but uh, and the service also. But the uh, the ambiance we kept, we kept it uh, kind of easy. And, yeah, Seattle. Seattle upscale. Completely. <laughs> well, um, your new position now, obviously, uh, you had a stint at Campania and um, working with some wine distributors. Uh, what are you doing now? So I'm the uh, French portfolio manager for a uh, American Northwest uh, distributor. It's a, a family, uh, family-owned, family-run uh, company. We uh, import and distribute uh, wines from the world and spirits from the world. So it is a, a very all-encompassing 
uh, wine uh, portfolio, but we also uh, specialize in French wines, and that's what I'm I'm here for. Here for today, and I'm excited about that. And American Northwest Distributors, um, I think they're in their fourth or fifth year, maybe? Uh, a little bit more than that, yeah? about 10. 10 years? 10 plus, yes. Wow, they were so quiet at the beginning, but they've exploded. I've, I've really witnessed their portfolio um, become world-class with, of course, Champagne and the Spirits and Burgundy, etc. all my favorites. <laughs> Absolutely. Not to forget uh, Languedoc, which... Uh, also, it's a very strong uh, point in our portfolio as well. So, And we talk about the Languedoc. Um, obviously, France is best known for probably Champagne, Bordeaux, Burgundy, and maybe um, some Rhone, Alsace, Loire, etc. But Languedoc is, is uh, give us a picture. Where is the Languedoc region in France? So Languedoc is uh, uh, very south. It's actually sandwiched. Um, it's right over the border from, uh, from Spain on the uh, eastern side of the Mediterranean. So as you, uh, as you head uh, north... Uh, from Barcelona, you enter uh, the Roussillon, which is a uh, uh, first uh, region, and then you get en- end up in the Languedoc uh, a little further north. So it is very, uh, very south Mediterranean, uh, beautiful coastal and also inland. Uh, a lot of the vineyards stretch uh, inland as well. And how far are we um, away from uh, Marseille? And uh, I guess that would be the furthest east or furthest west town in that area, right? E- exactly, the furthest east. Furthest so east, Marseille, yeah. Marseille is going to be to the east. Basically, that part of the um, the coast is uh, a bit of a horseshoe, not quite as as bent, but it has a bit of a bend. So uh, the Languedoc vineyards gonna run pretty much again from uh, from north of the Spanish border uh, to uh, to about Marseille, actually. And um, what deter- How did this region get the name Languedoc? Uh, so Languedoc, uh, Doc meaning Occitan. So it's uh, which uh, the Languedoc was the 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 Tongue or the uh, the language of yes. That's what it means. The language of yes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So everything uh, everything goes well in the Languedoc. Um, when we think about some of the regions, this is a relatively large area. What can you compare it to here in Washington? Uh, in Washington, it might be uh, I would say at least uh, as large as the Columbia Valley. Okay, so. Um, and how many acres? I know in Columbia Valley we're looking at about 50,000 acres. I think when we talk about the Languedoc, we're really talking about like 100,000. Yes, they, we are. They grow it's, a it's, lot of it's grapes. It's quite large. And one of the benefits of that area is really the sunshine and being close to the Mediterranean. You've got uh, um, plenty of sunshine, which means your your grapes are going to be nice and ripe. Um, so the style of wines from Languedoc are typically a little more fruit forward, a little less what I'll call um, tannin or acid driven. That, uh, well, that's that's true to some extent. The the, the thing about Languedoc being such a large uh, region, uh, there's actually within that that region there are some what they fr- in France they call the Appellation d'origine contrôlée, so AOCs, or in the U.S. would be AVAs, if you will. Um, and within the Languedoc, you do have some some AVAs or AOCs that really kind of uh, some of them are closer to the coast, so more uh, influenced by the uh, Mediterranean. Uh, some of really high up in the hills on limestone soils, uh, which then will kind of produce much cooler fruits, not as uh, not as rich and uh, maybe plummy as some some other uh, area, areas. Um, and then you also have uh, again the soils. There's a huge amount of uh, of uh, soil variations within the Languedoc, so you're going to find different. Uh, different soil types, which are going to produce kind of different uh, growing conditions for the grape. So. And I see you brought a selection of wines, which will probably share some of those differences. Exactly. Uh, excellent. Um, what are some of the major cities or towns in uh, Languedoc? Well, for one, uh, Montpellier, which is a big uh, university town. 
Uh, there's also uh, Narbonne, which is a very, Narbonne, hi- right. very historical town, uh, founded uh, really by you know pre-Roman times. So these these are very historical uh, vineyards and a very historical region going back well over 2,000 years. Yes, considering Marseille is also one of those cities that's was, very ancient. Right. Very Marseille was founded 600 years BC. Uh, and this was kind of the beginning of the uh, of viticulture in the uh, in that part of France. So um, there's quite a bit of history, obviously, uh, which over the years has has, uh, has been through some ups and downs. Languedoc is definitely on the uh, on the ups right now. It's very really, uh, dynamic, up and coming in a way, up and coming region because uh, uh, perhaps I think the Rhone Valley is getting a little more uh, attention than the Languedoc Languedoc is. But uh, it's it's an area that really is worth. Uh, uh, considering these days, who are some of the large producers that um, our listeners might have seen somewhere? Uh, is there somebody that sort of has uh, been at the forefront of the Languedoc production? There is uh, a few. Uh, one of which we're going to taste today is uh, Gérard Bertrand, uh, who's actually, if I understand that right, he was uh, an, uh, uh, a rugby a rugby player, very oh, famous in right. France. Yeah, and uh, started uh, started his uh, his vineyards or his uh, holdings. Uh, a few, quite a few years back, but now he's uh, re-embracing uh, organic viticulture uh, and also really kind of going and, and finding a lot of those uh, AOCs within the Languedoc and promoting those as well. So. And we might recognize that producer, obviously, the Gerard. Um, he's got the, the cross, the red cross, red and white cross. That's right. That's the, uh, the Languedoc cross. The Languedoc cross. Okay. The, let's just say, say yes. And I like that whole Montpellier. It reminds me of that. That's a college town, so you might as well call it Mar- Montpartier. <laughs> yes, completely. It is very much that. Uh, a lot of fun. Uh, when's the last time you were in Languedoc? Uh, matter of fact, it was probably it was about three years ago. We had a uh, a week uh, in uh, in the uh, the whole area. We visited a lot of these uh, regions and or AOCs that we're going to uh, look at today. Fantastic area, m- amazing, very pretty. Uh, and again, uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's an area that needs to be recognized uh, better. I'm speaking with Cyril Frechier, who's the uh, French and American Portfolio Manager for American Northwest Distributors, one of the distributors here in the Seattle metro area. And we're talking about Languedoc wines. Um, let's talk about some of the smaller regions. And uh, what are the most common regions that people would recognize out of Languedoc? Uh, one for sure is uh, Corbière, which is actually not a smaller region. That's one of the reasons people... Uh, know it probably better because <laughs> small was the wrong word. There's, uh, there's, you know, it's the largest. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Corbia is the largest uh, area within within Languedoc. Um, so there's quite a, a bit of wine being produced there, which means a lot of these wines are being exported. Uh, uh, smaller areas, uh, <coughs> actually, one that's not all that small, but it's making a big, a big bang these days is uh, Picpoul. Uh, Picpoul. The Pinay. So Pinay being. Uh, the area where the, the Picpoul grape is grown and uh, very famous white wine, nice, crisp, dry whites. I have a bottle of that in my refrigerator right now. I yeah. saw that because you don't see those a lot, but obviously as a sommelier, we study that. Yes, completely. It's it's an amazing wine. It's, uh, there's, uh, there's, there's actually quite a bit of um, oyster uh, viticulture, or not viticulture, I'm sorry, o- oyster uh, growing. Aquaculture, yeah. Aquaculture down there. And uh, right by, uh, by Pinay and uh, uh Pickpool goes amazingly well with uh, with oysters, raw oysters in particular. Well, you're making me hungry. It's Saturday night. Wish we had some oysters. Who can we call? We need an oyster delivery service, but maybe perhaps not in <laughs> July. We know how those maybe go. Maybe wait a couple of months. Um, what other uh, wine regions do we have? Minervois? So Minervois is another one, which is, again, very historical. Uh, 
there's uh, Minerva voice uh, when you move a little bit further east into uh, into the hills or the the foothills of uh, of kind of older mountains. So uh, high elevation vineyards in the Minerva, really good kind of uh, uh, kind of brambly, but also kind of dried uh, dried herby kind of uh, reds, which are really fun. Um, there's Saint Chignon, which is also probably one of the uh, the better, in a sense, more uh, highly regarded uh, appellation. Uh, with Fougere, which is also another one, Fougere being a little more earthy, if you're into uh, kind of uh, wine stuff, a little more of a uh, earth to it, a little yeah. more rusticity. Fougere is great. I mean, rusticity in a good way, of course. But. <laughs> Bien sûr. Um, <laughs> and I should be, we're talking about some of the regions, but tell me uh, some of the grapes. Is it equally balanced between white and red grapes, and what are some of the most prominent grapes down there? So, no, completely, uh, this is much, much more of a red wine uh, growing area. So, uh, and you're going to find the, the traditional southern France variety. So, you're going to have Grenache, you're going to have Carignan, uh, Mourvedre, Syrah is uh, uh, really high quality grapes that you see more and more of these days. Um, so, are those the common ones Cabernet, Merlot, Syrah, or Cab, uh, Cab Franc, things like that? Yeah, you do, you do find those as well. The, uh, the whole thing about Languedoc, as you mentioned earlier, is that it's, it's pretty much an ideal uh, area to grow grapes. I mean, the weather is, is near perfect. Over 315 days of sunshine a year, uh, very kind of milder climate. A drought might be an issue, not a lot of rain, but nonetheless, it is a great, great place to grow grapes. So uh, you will find pretty much any any of the varietals that uh, that you may be familiar with uh, grown in the Languedoc. As far as uh, depending on where those uh, those uh, varietals are grown, uh, you, you find Cabernet and Merlot and Cabernet uh, Franc and a little more west towards as you move away from the, the coast into uh, like maybe closer to the southwest of France. All right. I like it. Well, all this talk about the Languedoc, and obviously you brought four fabulous wines from the Languedoc, and I'm excited to uh, be speaking with Cyril Frechet, the American Northwest uh, Portfolio Manager for their uh, French and Amer- French wines. And uh, when we come back from this break, we're going to try some bubbles to start with, and I see um, some beautiful red wines, and I uh, want you to stick around because we're going to tie some of these wines, and I'll give you my opinion on some of the values and some of the benefits and uh, tasty aspects about Languedoc wine. So stick around, folks. You're listening to 570 KVI, and this is Happy Hour Radio. A Northwest Original, Lars Larson, live weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, happy July, happy Saturday night, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. This is time for round two, and I hope you got something great in your glass, or perhaps on your way to someplace fun and tasty. Or just at home doing some barbecue. Tis the season. And uh, speaking of season, I got some seasonal wines in front of me. Uh, the first is uh, a lovely pale patina pink. Um, this is some bubbles here. And uh, my pal Cyril Frechier, the uh, North- American Northwest Distributors French Portfolio Specialist, has brought uh, some wines from Languedoc. Cyril, this first wine has some bubbles. Tell me about this. So this is a, um, a Cremant uh, de Limoux. So the, in France, there's, uh, of course, Champagne. Every, everyone is familiar with Champagne as being uh, the premier um, sparkling wine production area in France uh, in terms of size and perhaps in prestige. 
but there's uh, also um, sparkling wines being produced in, in many other different regions in France, uh, one of which being uh, Limoux, which happens to be in the Languedoc. And it's actually a very historical... Um, uh, Limoux is very historical as far as uh, bubble production because it is uh, the, uh, the invention, if you will, of, uh, of uh, bubbles in that area predates uh, Champagne by 150 years. So is that what we call birthplace or Place d'Origine? Exactly. <laughs> it is. So really, these are the first bubbles ever created in France. I know we don't have any um, history about other areas around the world that are perhaps doing bubbles. Obviously, there's beer out there. But um, Limoux is a, is a village in an area. It's a town as well? It is. And uh, it is uh, a little more inland, as we uh, talked about earlier. But Limoux is uh, kind of a little bit higher up uh, area, so kind of uh, somewhat cooler a uh, wine-growing region within the Languedoc, and uh, all that to say that you find some, um, for, for, for classic and or, you know, quality uh, bubble production, what you need is uh, some, some wines that have fairly high acidity, nice crisp flavors. So you find that generally in cooler growing areas, and Limoux is perfect for that. So you'll find uh, some really great Chardonnay, uh, and then Pinot Noir, which is uh, classic varietals you find in, in, uh, in, uh, Champagne, but you also find that in that area as well. Oh, what's the other grape? The one, uh, there's another grape from Lemieux. It's the... Oh, the Mozac. Mozac, yes. M-A-U-Z-A-C. That's Mozac, correct. Which is uh, also the basis for many of the sparkling wines down there. It is very much. So depending, you know, sparkling wine, depending on uh, what uh, goes in the blend, uh, you'd end up with different uh, flavor profiles. So the uh, Cremant, in a sense, is, is uh, fairly... Uh, close in style to uh, champagne, so generally fairly dry, a little more brute uh, uh, style, kind of crisper, and uh, some kind of good fruit, but not overly fruity uh, wines. And then whereas, uh, for example, with mosaic, which is very fruity, kind of uh, peachy varietal, uh, when you have wines made with mosaic, they're all about like uh, just it's like biting into a fresh fruit with uh, <laughs> fresh peach with well, the bubbles. Yes, Fantastic. I love it. It's, it's a great alternative to prosecco, as a matter of fact. Yes, it is, uh, and uh, one of, one of which I prefer. So, just to recap, um, we're talking about sparkling wine in France. Obviously, we have Champagne, which is Method Traditionnel or Method Champenoise. Um, but you can't say Method Champenoise in any area outside of the Champagne region. So they've coined a term called Cremant, C-R-E-M-A-N-T, which also means that this wine has been produced in the Champagne style, meaning bottle fermentation. And that means it's, it's probably pretty good, just like they do in Cava and Franciacorta and uh, obviously Champagne. Um, so we have a pink patina wine. looks like sort of a salmon color, a little bit of sunset, which is perfect. Um, what are the grapes here? And this is, uh, which wine is this? So this is from Gérard Bertrand. Uh, it's called the uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson Cuvée. Uh, it just happens that Thomas Jefferson uh, lived in France for five years, uh, was the uh, diplomat in France, and uh, was very fond of French wines, and actually stocked uh, some, some uh, at the time, uh, sparkling wines from the region. He, he didn't have any champagne in his cellar, but he did have uh, Cremant of Limoux, so that's kind of that's <laughs> telling. Interesting, uh, you don't find those on the black market that someone had, you know, Rudy Kerouanian's uh, Jefferson bottles from the 1700s exactly. in sparkling. That's surprising, actually. So this is a, a blend of 70% uh, Chardonnay. Uh, then there's, a, um, there's 15% of Chenin Blanc, which is uh, a varietal that you find in the Loire Valley, uh, but you do find that as well in the, in the Languedoc. And then the other uh, 15% is Pinot Noir. So this is... Uh, we might have mentioned that, but the, this is a rosé 
uh, so it is a sparkling rosé, which kind of uh, two of my favorite uh, subjects, you know, bubbles and <laughs> and rosé. So uh, wow, see. So there you go. So the the Pinot Noir is just uh, a little bit of Pinot Noir is added to uh, to that blend, and that's uh, how you end up with uh, uh, that kind of salmony um, copper color. Uh, Tasting the wine, um, first thing off, bright acidity. I believe that comes from both Chardonnay and the Chenin Blanc, which is a moderate plus high acid grape. Of course, Pinot Noir, depending on when you pick it, um, has some austerity too, but it also has some body, some light red fruit, bright fruit, and a touch of the lazy yeast autolysis on the finish. Completely. So the the whole um, the part of the the winemaking process for sparkling wine is to um, once you've uh, once you've actually created your blend. You uh, you're gonna keep that wine down um, in the cellar for any length of time. I mean, by by law, Cremant needs to be nine months uh, before uh, before being uh, disgorged and released. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but in this instance, I would suspect that this wine probably spends a little more time aging. But this is how you get those kind of cre- creamy, little more uh, nutty characteristics, kind of elegant uh, characteristics. They're doing it right. This is a delicious wine, and uh, I'm really pleased because it's easy to to overlook some of these wines that uh, from areas you're not quite familiar with, um, and especially when you see a price point. This is a value wine, but it's well done. I think the uh, one of the common wines out of the Languedoc that are sparkling is called Bouvet. That's a Bouvet, and um, it's it's very much like Prosecco in my mind. Uh, the bubbles a little more coarse, not quite as elegant, but this is a very refined wine. And Gerard, and it's called the Thomas Jefferson Cuvée. Cuvée. Excellent. Yeah, fantastic, actually. Um, and uh, you mentioned oysters. Uh, so you poured some of this uh, white wine. And this is also, um, you said, a, a blend of, uh, actually, this begins with Picpoul. Yeah, so um, as I'm, I mentioned that earlier, but the, the Languedoc generally is uh, is a area that's well known for uh, for its red wine. Uh, but also there's, uh, there's uh, uh, quite a bit of white wine being produced there. And uh, some of the whites now are really starting to uh, to kind of come on the scene. They're uh, in the past, to be fair. They they might have been a little bit kind of uh, rich and heavy, and kind of lacking in uh, in freshness. Uh, whereas now there's a, there's a lot of great examples coming from from the Languedoc uh, of you know nice, crisp, dry white wines, which are very refreshing. Uh, and this is a, a blend of Picpoul, Roussan, and Grenache Blanc. Now. I'm looking at the uh, tasting sheet here, and I do. I don't know it all, so I sometimes look at sheets. This says Picpoul Blanc. Is there a Picpoul Rouge? There is. Really? Yes. So a lot of, uh, not a lot, but varietals uh, do have uh, uh, more than one uh, one uh, hue, one color. So, for example, Grenache, uh, which everyone, most people will mention Grenache, and it's going to be assumed that it's red, but uh, there is Grenache Blanc, and there's also a Grenache Gris, which is uh, also... Uh, so it's a well. It's like Pinot Gris and Pinot Noir. Those are the same completely DNA. Exactly. So color. the uh, when you're talking about uh, Picpoul, generally you're talking about the white, uh, the white kind, the white varietal, uh, which happens to be so Picpoul means uh, lip stinger, uh, which <laughs> really? you know it is a uh, it translate as in the Languedoc, I guess, uh, lip stinger. So it's a, a, a nice, dry, generally fairly high acid, but not overly acidic uh, varietal actually. It's more of a medium, medium acidity, but it has a lot of kind of lemony characteristics. And um, also very fresh on the palate. Uh, this is a, a screw top wine, and um, it's it's medium weight. It's it has crispness, but it also has a little bit of texture to it. You say lemony with a little bit of lemon curd, um, and of course, I do get that uh, that lazy note. They have a little bit of texture here. Yeah. So interestingly enough, also uh, the blend is um, is Picpoul, 
But there's also a, a varietal called Marsan. And Marsan is, uh, is a varietal. Is that Roussan? It's Roussan. 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 Marsan's up from the northern Yeah, uh, they, but they do have Marsan down there. Too, yeah, they do. They make some so of that. So Roussan, I stand corrected. But the, uh, again, both Marsan and Roussan kind of, um, they, they have a, a, a pro- profile that tends to go towards uh, more marzipan or almond, if you will, the almond paste. Uh, and also, yeah, but uh, kind of bruised apricots. Uh, so that's those are those flavors you find uh, from those two varietals, really, both Marsan and Roussan. So uh, in this blend, with the I think the uh, the Roussan adds a little bit that that uh, the more uh, richness that you're talking about. And who's the producer of this particular uh, white blend? So this is from uh, Esht and Bagnier, which is a uh, producer, again very well known producer in the uh, in that area. Esht and Bagnier. How do we spell that? H E C H T. Ah, <laughs> so it's not pronounced. You gotta pronounce it French style. <laughs> I love because it looks like hecht. <laughs> it looks like hecht, but it's etched, 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 etched in uh, what's Bagnier. The? So B A N I E R. Okay, Bagnier. That's too funny because not to be confused with uh, <laughs> Bagno, which is a different language Completely. or something else. Um, tasty wines, and so these are great values. I believe this is probably under that fifteen dollar range. Yes. Um, these wines available at Esquin and uh, Downtown Spirits are are good friends with great wine selections. There, got to check it out. Um, why don't you tease the two reds we have coming up in the next segment? So the uh, we get a couple different uh, appellations again. One is uh, Corbière. Which is again very historical and uh, the largest uh, appellation within the uh, the Languedoc, and then the other one is uh, Pic Saint Loup, uh, which is further north, a little bit closer. Uh, earlier on, you mentioned Marseille. You're not near Marseille, but you kind of inch in closer to the uh, northern and uh, northern part of the uh, Languedoc uh, appellations. Excellent. Well, I'm excited. We tried a great bubbles uh, from Gerard Bertrand and uh, the Ech and Barnier Picpoul Roussan Grenache Blanc. When we come back from this break, we'll chat more with Cyril Frechier, the uh, French portfolio manager for American Northwest Distributors, and uh, dive into some red wines from Languedoc. So stick around, folks. You're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. Hey, Seattle. Hey, Puget Sound. Welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round three. Hope you got something tasty and fun, perhaps something chilled. Or shaken, not stood, uh, in your glass. Um, I'm shaking it up here with my pal, Cyril Frechier, the uh, portfolio manager for the French side of wines from American Northwest Distributors. Uh, my friends Anton down there hanging out, uh, but we're in studio trying some wines from the place where all they say is yes, called the Languedoc. It's uh, um, kind of a large area down in the south, uh, sort of the southwest or more south central of France, right above Spain um, on the coast, and we had a little... Uh, rosé bubbles um, from Gerard um, Bert- Bertrand. Ben- Bertrand. 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 <laughs> a little pick pool, which is a great oyster wine. And now we're off to some reds. So, Cyril, what's the first red wine you've got? So, the first one is uh, from Bérangerie de Lortus. Easy for me to say. But the uh, more importantly, the, the appellation is called uh, Pic Saint Loup. Pic Saint Loup. Exactly. <laughs> P I C S T L O U P. Exactly. So the peak being, uh, you know, a, a mountain peak, I guess, uh, which is a, a big uh, limestone uh, peak in the, in the south of France, in the kind of northern part of the uh, Languedoc. 
Well, it's interesting because we talked about the, the great pick pool, but you said that was a lip stinger. And how is pick sand loop a little different? It should be a lick. <laughs> well, not quite. But pick, pick, uh, P-I-Q-U-E in French means to sting. Ah, Whereas okay. this is P-I-C. P-I-C, so. right. Pick pool it is P-I-Q-U-E. Okay, yes, it does. Uh, just like words in English. Um, so this wine is uh, from so Pic Saint-Loup. What do you have? Uh, so generally, Pic Saint-Loup is a... Um, because of the uh, because of uh, the location of, uh, of the vineyards or the, you know the appellation itself and uh, the soils, uh, the wines from Pic Saint Louis tend to uh, to have a really nice uh, kind of bright uh, quality about them. Meaning, they tend to be uh, uh, not as uh, dry fruited uh, as maybe some other appellations we did in Languedoc. So, uh, and generally you're going to find more Syrah in uh, in Pic Saint Louis as well. So this blend uh, is 60% Syrah. Just quite a bit. That's that's more than I would imagine by tasting it. And it's very common uh, within Pixano to find uh, a Syrah dominated uh, blend. And then the uh, the, the balance uh, between uh, Grenache and Mourvet, which are again very classic varietals for the region. Interesting. That's a, a classic blend of the three grapes in the Rhone region, um, and also Australia. They do Grenache, Syrah, Mourvet. Um, but having the Syrah be the backbone here adds a little different swath of flavor. I think you get a little more dark fruit because uh, Grenache can often be more red tinted and um, even some dark red. But when you get the Syrah as a dominant blend to grape, you have um, blue and purple fruits. Yeah. Very much. Um, one thing about Syrah too is that you'll find um, I find floral uh, components to uh, or you know flavors to uh, Syrah, uh, especially violet. There's uh, usually a hint of violet or even anise sometime. Uh, that is uh, kind of that is very uh, particular to Syrah, and it really kind of uh, kind of lightens and uh, and just uh, adds a little elegance to uh, to blends generally. So. I always love that when you get violets and that floral note, perhaps a little tarragon or licorice or anise, as you say, um, and often, often white pepper or black pepper can be one of the components. Some people say, um, depending on the style of winemaking, reductive can be bacony and, and charcuterie and some of the cured meat notes. Um, but having Grenache and Morvet here, there's some spice here too. I really enjoy that. Yeah. So you know, the the whole idea when you when you blend varietals is to uh, to come up with with harmony, so you know you, you're going to find that Syrah is going to give you those kind of floral and uh, kind of elegant notes, and then Grenache uh, tends to give you the, the a little more richness in the palate, a little more weight, and a little more dry fruit again. So sometimes uh, those dry strawberries and those kind of flavors, and then uh, Mourvedre is uh, is the structure. Mourvedre is a fairly uh, tannic uh, or astringent, if you will, uh, varietal. So but astringent, in a, in, if it's used right, it just really balances the wine out. So Mourvedre gives you uh, longevity. Yeah, and what's great about blends, you get a spectrum of not only fruited color fruits, but also the acid and the earth and some of the tannin and uh, some of that texture, whether it's astringent or smooth. Um, this wine is, there's obviously no new oak on this on this wine. Um, I'm going to say that it's uh, it's probably neutral barrel, if at all. I almost want to say that it's probably stainless steel or it's just I'm, very I'm, clean. I'm completely thinking, uh, I'm completely agreeing with you, yes. I mean, it's uh, I don't know the specs exactly, but I would not suspect... Uh, if there is uh, oak of any sort, it would be older barrels, large barrels that really would not affect the uh, the flavors at all. And what's the name of this wine? So it's uh, Bergerie, Bergerie de Lortus. 
H O R T U S. Ah, and what does the Hortus mean? <laughs> that I don't know. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, you said Beringer? No, uh, Bergerie. So Bergerie. Yeah. All right. So, so again, lots of French on these labels, but you know, it's uh, Pic Saint Louis is good enough to remember, I think, at this point. Pic uh, Saint Louis, yeah. That's it's a, fun. a great appellation. I really uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of that uh, appellation, actually. Um, tasty wine, uh, well balanced. It's, um, it's moderate complexity, it has a uh, smooth finish, um, it's well rounded in the mouth. Um, very pleasant. This is also a good barbecue wine, I think. It, it has enough texture and, and interesting to, to match some of the, the flavors you get in the barbecue, but it's it doesn't have the tannin or any of the dominant oak and heaviness that you find with some of the, uh, well, this Bordeaux or um, even New World wines. Yeah, completely. That's uh, that's the I think that's the, one of the key assets for uh, for the Long Duck is the, uh, the, the wines are... Uh, Generally, very drinkable. They're they're approachable. They have uh, complexity and in, you know enough intensity of flavors, but they're not uh, they're not wines that you need to wait ten years for you know to enjoy. So, who wants to wait anymore? <laughs> it's it's satisfying me now. Well, tell me about some of the food down in the Languedoc. I've never been myself. Obviously, I love French food. If you don't know already, but uh, what are they cooking down there? Uh, is it a lamb country? Is it? It's um, uh, it's hunting uh, country. So uh, it's pre once once you. The, the coast obviously is very uh well it's uh, a lot of sea resorts uh you know great beaches beautiful sandy beaches you're right on the mediterranean so uh but once you start getting uh, inland which doesn't really take long uh you're really getting into pretty rugged uh, rugged country so uh you'll find a lot of uh, you know wild boars and rabbits and so uh goats those sort of, uh, of uh, animals, and that's what you you end up finding in the in the cuisine quite a bit. Interesting enough, because the wines we have, I believe, would work with all those wild boar and some of the gamey flavors. These these have a sense of, I don't know, call it rusticity, but they have an authentic flavor that is really I'll call it outdoorsy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, um, second wine is uh, Chateau Trilol. Uh, Chateau Trilol, uh, 2010. So this wine's got a little bit of uh, age, as you probably notice in the color. Uh, and it is a Corbière. So again, Corbière being the uh, the largest uh, uh, AOC appellation in the Languedoc, which really, in and of itself, doesn't really mean anything. It's just uh, uh, a, a great area. It's very very wide. So there's different uh, again different a lot of different soil types within the that uh, appellation. But in this instance, you have a blend of Grenache and Syrah. So again, you're going to find similar varietals that, uh, but. Uh, blended in different percentage and then coming from different uh, areas. So I would say this one is very different from the uh, from the other. Uh, does Corbière touch on the the the, uh, the seaside? Does it or is it mostly an inland it's bound? Mostly inland. Yes. Okay. Smelling this wine, it's quite a perfumed wine. I get um, uh, lots of plum notes and a hint of spice. Reminds me of the candies my uh, grandmother would give me. Those Chinese. Uh, Dried plums. I mean, that's the first thing I got off off the nose. But the flavor is not necessarily dried. It's concentrated, but um, there's some freshness there as well. There is, and uh, in this instance, I think this wine has is showing greater tannins than the first one. So, you more structure. Um, the fruit is uh, is a little more restrained. Uh, this uh, I, I would I, I think more complexity mm. into this wine, but um, you have that more of a blackberry kind of character. And a bit of a dried herb character that uh, wasn't in the uh, the other wine. I would not have guessed that this was a, a Grenache-based wine from and with Syrah. To me, this this sort of tastes and feels Bordelais. It's got that 
Obviously, there's some oak on here, I think, which gives it a little more roundness and um, some uh, international appeal. Um, but the fruit is, is more on the darker side than, I think, the red fruits. It reminds me more of a real, well, I want to say Ribeiro Luduero yeah. wine. Very Tempranillo-esque. Yeah, esque no, completely. I agree. And even the, the I think the Bordeaux, uh, which are obviously, you know, the wines from the Languedoc are not supposed to taste like Bordeaux. And, uh, but it has, uh, I think in terms of structure, it has more of a... Uh, uh, a borderless structure, which means uh, shows you a little more, a little more, um, your firmer tannins. So this is uh, 2010. So the wine is completely ready to drink now, uh, but it's also a wine that you could lay down for a little bit longer as well. Yeah, if you can. So buy a case. <laughs> you can. It'll last another year or two. Um, a delicious wine, Chateau Trillol, which is T R I L L O L, 2010 Corbiere Grenache Syrah blend, um, showing beautifully and uh, really a delicious wine. Uh, when we come back from this break, um, I'm going to pour you a little glass of wine, Cyril, and we'll chat about um, you know this the Seattle scene about wine and maybe the, perhaps a little world perspective, and um, maybe some of the cool wines you have in your portfolio at American North Coast Distributors. So, folks, stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. If you ever miss a show, don't forget, we've got a website. It's called happyhourradio.net. We have a host of all of our great shows, I mean, 100-plus shows online. And uh, if you're out in the Twitter sphere and you got some questions or you want to tweet, 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 send it to happyhrradio, at happyhrradio. And if you do have a question or a guest you want to suggest, send me an email to ask at happyhourradio.net. We'll be right back on 570 KVI. He's back and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round four, our final segment. So uh, pour something big in that glass. we got a short segment here. And uh, having a great time in studio with my friend Cyril Frechier, the um, French uh, portfolio manager for American Northwest Distributors. Um, Cyril, uh, Languedoc wines are tasty and very affordable, approachable, and really... Um, Delicious. Uh, I like that we had a chance to taste those. Um, and you being a Frenchman and obviously uh, taking, uh, well, overseeing the French portfolio at American Northwest Distributors, tell, let's talk rosé. It is summer. We're in the middle of July. And if you're not drinking rosé yet, you need to because um, you're, you're missing out on one of the joys of life. Completely, I would say. Rosés, uh, they've been around for, uh, again, uh, the, uh, the Romans used to drink rosé from uh, Provence, so we're looking at a couple thousand years of history of uh, rosé winemaking. So not a, maybe a new phenomenon here um, in Seattle in some ways, but uh, not, uh, not in many other, uh, especially not in France, but even other uh, parts of the world. So. Well, with your history here in Seattle and being um, one of the uh, stewards of wine, the sommeliers, how hard was it to sell rosé 10 years ago? It uh, it took uh, it took some effort. Uh, I think part of it was the fact that you couldn't really find uh, a lot of quality rosés at the time. Most uh, I, I still think a lot of uh, consumers uh, think of rosé as being you know a sweet wine or a sweeter uh, type of wine, where in fact uh, a well-made, a good rosé is dry. I mean that's the whole point of uh, of uh, rosés being a, a really refreshing uh, summer summer wine. So dryness is uh, usually dry wines uh, are more refreshing than uh, sweeter wines. 
Yeah, sweetening can be cloying, and uh, you need acid. I think when we think about lemonade as a very refreshing drink, you have acidity, a little bit of sweetness. Um, I don't like to compare that with rosés because I want to stay away from the sweet style of rosé. Um, when it comes to rosé, there's a lot of grapes to use, but primarily the classic grapes are? Uh, Grenache, for sure. Uh, and then, of course, now there's... Uh, well, in the Loire Valley, you, amazingly enough, you're going to find uh, uh, both Pinot Noir and uh, Cabernet Franc, which uh, I would say are classic. And then uh, back to the south of France, Sanzo is uh, definitely a varietal that uh, does quite well um, when uh, when vinified as a rosé. Uh, and then there's, uh, again, Syrah uh, is part of the blend, uh, often enough, Mourvedre as a rosé as well. And interesting that how how well the wines of the regions pair with the food of the regions. If you haven't been to the, the south of France, Provence, and uh, Marseille, and Nice, um, and you haven't had steak tartare or french fries with aioli or moules from frites, um, the wine you have to drink is, it's not beer, it's really rosé. It is. Um, and you can drink <laughs> lots of it. It's a, a well-made rosé, again, it's fairly low alcohol. You're looking at maybe 12 and a half. Uh, really, really above 13%. So it makes it a, a very uh, digestible uh, type of uh, wine, you know? Agreed. And um, it's always, you know, you, you really can't chill rosé too much. I think in a way, because it's so refreshing and you're going to drink rosé all day. I poured you some rosé and uh, I want you to taste this. Um, and I'll tell you what it is a little later, but uh, this is really just at a slightly chilled temperature. It's really out of the cellar. It's been in my car for a bit, but um, uh, this is a blend of Morved Sanso, 85 Morved, 15 Sanso. There you go. So that's, uh, that's your classic uh, Southern Rhone uh, style blend. Now, coming from you, I'm suspecting this might not be from the Southern uh, Rhone area or, <laughs> or Languedoc, but uh, this is delicious. It's wonderful. Thank you. So, yeah, it's nice and clean. It's good. Refreshing. It's completely. Well, it hits all the marks that a good rosé should be. You know, it's uh, nice, clean, fresh, a good acidity. The fruit tends to go towards, uh, you know, there's a bit of citrus and a bit of berries, but um, it's uh, really well balanced. Uh, alcohol is really kind of uh, on the lowish side, which is, again, it's uh, very, uh, makes it uh, very good and tasty. All right. So here's the unveiling. Ah, it's there you go. Coral Wines. Yeah, Fantastic. that's good. Um, I'm, good job. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, it, it is delicious. I'm so pleased because I end up drinking more. <laughs> I've got lots to drink, and um, it's always fun and, and to share these wines. So I'm glad, glad you were here. Thanks for sharing. Do you have some French rosés out there that you recommend? We do. Well, actually, we do have some wines from the, some roses from the uh, Languedoc, the Saint-Félix, which is a Corbière. Uh, rosé, fantastic, nice, dry, crisp uh, again. Uh, we have Provence uh, rosés out there as well. So Provence being kind of the, uh, I guess, the birthplace of, uh, of rosés for France. Uh, very classic. So ex-rosé, uh, which is very popular. Is that the AIX one? AIX, yes. Black, yeah, the white label with black lettering, AIX. So X is, uh, it's uh, a, a beautiful wine, really, so, uh, in, uh, that you can find fairly easily. Uh, we also have some great uh, rosés from... Uh, northern from the Rhone, rather uh, next to Chateau of du Pape, so Tavels. Tavels, which are if you like a rich style rosé, then go for Tavel. All right, and some of your great rosé purveyors, uh, Whole Foods or Esquin and Downtown Spirits. Exactly. All right. So Freshier, uh, brand manager with um, American Northwest Distributors. Thanks for sharing Languedoc wines with me on Happy Hour Radio.
thank you very much for having me. What a treat. Uh, hey, folks, hope you're enjoying July, and I'll see you at some of the events. Red, White, and Brew is part of the Seattle Magazine um, Fiesta festivities coming up, and, uh, of course, make plans for the auction of Washington Wines in August. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you ever missed one, check out happyhourradio.net. And remember, folks, life is always better with the designated driver. Cheers. Cheers.